One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, welcome to Warrior U. Join retired Special Forces Officer Bram Connolly as he explores resilience, mental toughness, high-performing habits and other aspects that are required to develop a warrior mindset. Warrior U, it's the performance edge. Hey everyone, it's Bram Connolly here, retired Special Forces Operator and Officer with over 20 years in the Australian Army. Just before we launch into today's show, I want to tell you a little bit about the Warrior U program that forms the basis of the Warrior U website. The program has been designed to help anyone aspiring to join the Australian Defence Force. There's a tailored fitness program based on simple movements that ensures you get from zero to hero in the time frame that you have available. There's lessons on military skills and culture. Lessons are self-paced and there are quizzes to help reinforce the learning. Some of the topics include weapon types, navigation theory, survival, and there's fieldcraft lessons too, just to name a few. There's also a mental resilience block of training. The main aspect of the program though is the access to mentors who've either held positions within the Defence Force recruiting or recruit or officer instructors and even some Special Forces selection staff. So no matter what you want to do in the ADF, we have a mentor to assist and provide advice. There's a one-off payment of $99 for the complete program. Check out the website on www.warrioru.com.au. That's warrior and the letter U. Now, to introduce today's sponsor, and then our guest. I want to tell you about a competition that I'm running. I have two tickets to attend the Echelon Front Muster with me in December this year. It's the 4th and 5th of December 2019, and it's being held in Sydney. Speaking of knowledge bombs, the event has Jocko Willink and his team from Echelon Front teaching combat leadership techniques and how to apply these to business and life. The tickets are valued at $3,700 Australian dollars. You'll have to pay your own travel and accommodation, but I think that's fairly reasonable. To be in the running for the tickets, you need to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and then email me that you've left a review at bram at warrioru.com.au. So to be in the running, you need to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and then email me bram at warrioru.com.au and tell me you've left a review. In October, we'll go through all the reviews since the start of May and put everyone's name in the draw to win. It's that easy. The tickets will be drawn on October 31st. If you'd like to buy a ticket in advance to join me at a table, then jump on the Echelon Front website and take advantage of their discounts. That's echelonfront.com, all one word. Okay, let's get into the show. Alrighty. So today I'm joined by Reese Dewar, OAM, who is the patron saint of intelligence and the patron saint of not idiocy. Is that true? Is that, are you the patron saint? Patron saint. If you're an of OAM, idiocy. if you're an patron OAM, saint you're of not idiocy. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it, I suppose. Um, all right, we are recording. So today we're going to do a podcast 
on or transitioning out of the defense force mm. and we're going to do a instagram live as well just basically so so i can show my guns off basically uh, anyway uh we've had a few wines you know some people have have contacted me and said um what are your thoughts on transitioning out of the adf it's interesting because i feel i feel in some ways like a bit of a fraud because i, I haven't really transitioned out of the adf i still you know i had a pretty easy sort of exit um i went and worked with dynamic which is anthony morehouse's company for for a few years there and so for me it was a pretty easy transition in that way then i went to the middle east and worked you know as an advisor in the saeed bin tanoon school and the desert warfare institute so it was still an army thing i was there for five years and now i came back and and i, and I run my own consultancy company on leadership as well as you know what the warrior you thing and making money through podcasting and also talking to people who are in the military people who want to join the military people who have left the military so for me it's still very much a part of who i am mm. and so when i talk about people that are transitioning i feel i don't really feel like i'm in a very good place to to talk about that what do you what do you think with regards well, to your transition yeah, look I, I you know i think there's we have similar experiences there where our transition, I'd like to call it smooth, but um, it probably wasn't as smooth as what we thought at the time. I think there's a lot of things we could have done better as individuals. I think there's a lot of things the military could have done better for us to be able to make our transition a lot easier. But I think what the, the fundamental underlying thing that made our transition successful, if I could use that, is that we went into work or an environment that we were familiar with. Yeah, so it was a so it was a gentle transition in that regard. Yeah, and you know, the, the, let's get the elephant in the room out of out of the room, or push it out, or eat it one mouthful at a time, or whatever you want to say. Neither of us see ourselves as victims either. So, so because of that we basically fought for everything on on the way out the door i know you you um made sure that you had rpl for just about everything that you could possibly get yeah um and i also set myself up with a degree before i left defense and and after i left defense amongst other things and i mean it's easy for two ex-officers to sit here and talk about transition but we were both ors and i remember specifically this conversation in Timor in 2001, our changeovers were being planned in 2001 to be officers to get out. That was that was part of our transition. Yeah, hundred percent. So you know, and I think that's that's a really good point, Bram, about that transition is the preparation side of things. You know, how do you prepare for that? Because what well, one thing I've seen with you know current serving veterans. Yeah, sorry, what were you saying? Look, you know, just like comms, you know, sometimes transitions are never smooth. <laughs> so I think, yeah, look, going back to the transition side of things and what we were talking about is us being ORs and then transitioning through to be officers and, you know, which allowed us or gave us, um, I suppose, um, more opportunity. Tra transitioning. Transition. Yeah. yeah. Transitioning out, you know. So, and I think it comes back to the planning of it, the planning of, you know, what you want to do. And one of the things that I always say to young guys these days that are looking at 
transition, well, young guys and girls, you know, but I, I have a tendency to call everyone guys. Um, so please don't get offended by it. It's but, very, um, very binary of you. Yeah, very binary, yeah. So, look, the thing is, is you can't make your decision of transitioning out of the military based on uh, frustration or uh, based on an emotion, okay? So that's one thing I would say. Um, oh, it, because it, the... Yeah, we talked about this because the yeah. army will go, oh, you want to leave? Yeah. Okay. See ya. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, and, and that's exactly right. And that's that's one of the things I think, you know, people get frustrated with the service because you're not going on operations or you're, it's not what you thought it was to be. And that, in, in that statement there, I find very hard that people have a perception of what something is before actually experiencing it. Mm. You know, you gain experience through going through something. Um, so to be uh, upset with the military and where it is forcing you to transition doesn't allow you or give you the ability to plan your transition. The other one is, is that, and it's as simple as this, is making sure that you've done everything that you wanted to do within the military, however small or great that is. Yeah. Um, there is nothing worse than leaving a job that you were quite passionate about. And let's be honest, anyone that is in the military or in um, uh, law enforcement or a service-provided uh, career or job is passionate about what they do. At they some wouldn't. point. At some point. Mm. You know, it's it's a reason why you're there. Mm. You know, and if you're lucky as we were to have a fulfilling career uh, within the military um, and it was the right time for you to leave, then by all means, start mm. planning that transition, mm. you know. The other factor that I don't know if we'll talk about it uh, during this um, broadcast, but family always plays a significant part mm. in that transition as well. If you've got a family. If you've got a family, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, as I said before, I sometimes feel like a bit of a fraud for giving people advice for having you know, a transition out because it, it was, at this point, relatively smooth for me. Now, you know, a lot of the times I, I say there's a lot of people out there that have separation anxiety disorder, for use of a better term. I'm not a psychologist. But... Um, and maybe that's misconstrued as PTSD in some cases. However, you get this life where you know you're you're structured. The life is structured, and I'll give you an, I'll give you an example of people I see that can't cope with stress. It's like you know infantry battalion seven o'clock in the morning. You've just or seven thirty or maybe eight o'clock. I don't know. You've just finished PT, whatever time they finish. You had a shower. You go downstairs, and the sergeant goes, "You need to be at the." You need to be up at the medical center in half an hour or the dentist or whatever because there's billets have opened up and, and, you, and you're up to go and have your yearly. Now, people don't do that for you as a civvy. No, they don't. But, you, but then you find people are like, oh, fuck, the fucking army fucks me around. Yeah, yeah, it does fuck you around. And guess what happens when you get to Afghanistan and get, get out the back of that vehicle? The enemy fucks you around too. It's like we're making you resilient. Yeah. And, and what happens is people leave the... They leave the army and they think they've been fucked around for a decade or five years or four years or however long it takes to get that medal, right? And they think they've been mucked around all those years and actually, well, they've just made, they've made you resilient if you, use that, if you use that framework in your head. If you look at it and go, you know what, I've been, I've been absolutely stuffed around by the best of them. That's so right. there's nothing this civilian job can do to me now that's going to 
bring me unstuck. Yeah, and actually, and I'll elaborate a little bit more on that because I think I 100% agree. I need to and drink wine. After it's that, that thing of they've given you the tools, whether you realise it or not, to pretty much cope with a lot of things that, if I'm very honest, the civilian workforce or life are not going to hit you with. Aren't going to hit you with, and to be honest, it's not overly challenging <laughs> yeah you know so the challenges oh, yeah that you make and we talked we talked about that because yeah. one of the problems that you and i both had when we left two commando regiment or, or special operations command because we were in different well i was in different unit when i left is the tempo is actually the thing i've struggled with is to slow down hence the reason i've done a degree written two books have a podcast have a business like I just, I have no off switch now. I want to, don't get me wrong, I, I want an off switch. But, uh, and then maybe and maybe everything else would fall into place, you know, but I don't have that off switch. Mm. It's just like, let's just, I need to work on something else. Now, I don't know if that's coping strategy. I'm pretty sure it's not. It's just the fact that the unit was at such a high tempo for the 15 odd years that I was there yeah. that it, it changed me and now I have a high tempo. Yeah, you do. You have... Well, it comes down to work ethic as well, and that's one thing I'll say about the military. If you really embrace what you've done in the service and everything like that, you have work ethic. And as we've seen in the, in the corporate world, ethics is a very like debatable subject when it comes to work. You know, <laughs> so it, it's a it's a funny one. But what happens is what the military do is they they actually ingrain that in you that there is a job that you have to do and. What predicates that is if you don't do that job, you know, the, the, the worst cause or the worst effect of that is someone else loses their life, okay? Mm. So civilians will never understand that, you know? And I say civilians in, like that because the other thing is, is, you know, it's very hard even today for me to go, I'm a civilian, you know, mm. to a certain extent, Right. Oh. I am a civilian. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I am a civilian. But it's because you've been brought up a certain way and you've experienced and you've gone through life a certain way that has brought you to where you are today. So I am a civilian. I am a civilian today. You know, it's, it's a transition that is very hard. And that's where I suppose I'm going with it from the military to civilian life. Now, I'm not a civilian. I'm a I'm a. I'm a guy who used to be a special operator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, special. <laughs> um, so anyway, it's it's one of those things, and and the reason oh, look, let me put that into context. The reason why that is is because we both joined when we were 17 years old, mm. right? We had a fulfilling careers in the military. I think so. Mm. Uh, yeah, I did 20, 20 plus, I did 20 something years and left 20 at, plus years and left at 31. Okay, so. so there you go. So that's the context that I put that in. So that's why I don't you let that go through the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years 31 year good on you. So that's why I put it in that context of, you know, I don't class myself as a uh, as a civilian of that type. I am a civilian. Yes, mm. I am. I'm no longer in the service. I get that. But my mentality and the way I think and the way I act mm. Is different. Yeah, and and I've heard um, I've heard people say, oh, you know, if you spend too long in the military, you're institutionalised as if it's some bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you try and do another job after forty years, I think that you're going to be hard pressed as a sixty-something-year-old to find a new career for twenty years. But yeah. if you're getting out after four years, you're not institutionalised. Nah. If you get out after Far from it. if you get out after twenty years, 
you're not institutionalized. Yeah. You've learned a lot of stuff that if you have the right mindset and have a have yeah and a positive, you will be able to transition if you've set yourself up yeah. to transition. And, and look, the other the other side of that as well, not the other side, but a parallel to that is when you leave the military, you've got to identify what you define yourself as, if that makes sense. So, uh, you know, I was, you know, Sergeant Reese Dewar in the Special Forces. Um, I now am a civilian. Am I still Sergeant Reese Dewar in the Special Forces, right? Well, no, you left as a captain. Well, well you... Oh, I yeah. see what you're saying. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I did, but I'm saying, like, you know, it's you, you're defining yourself as something that you're transitioning, yeah. and this is the point, transitioning out of. So you've got to make <laughs> some mental changes. You've yeah. got to make some psychological and, and not physical, well, physical changes to a certain extent. Probably talk about that later. But definitely a mental change or a mental shift in the way you think. And an example would be when you're in the military, you're a sergeant, you may be a captain, whatever. But when you're a sergeant, you know, you, you can pretty much dictate to your younger soldiers what you can do. Yeah. Right. So the biggest thing that I've seen for people is to be able to let that rank position go. And then they are now back at the bottom of the pecking order. Yeah. Right? And that's a, one of the hardest things to emotionally transition back to. Man, what did you say today? Um, your ego becomes maturity. Yeah. So we got to these jobs because we had an ego. Yeah, because Jocko talked about it a bit in the podcast yeah. that I did with him that, yeah, you, that you and I listened to today. We edited it, edited it. But what we worked out is that you have to have an ego to get to these positions. You have to have an ego to be an infantry, to be fair. Yeah. And then that ego has to develop into maturity so that you know when to check your ego at the door and working, walking into a new organisation, a civilian organisation as an ex-defence person, if you're checking that ego at the door, that's how you get growth. Yeah, 100%. Mm. You know, but don't, don't um, disclude your past from your future. And what I mean by that is be proud of, of the service when you do transition that you did, no matter what that is, you know. Um, because that has, or the service that you've, um, you, you've had, whether it's four years, 10 years, 15, 20, it doesn't matter. You've learned something for that. It's still a big chunk of your life to be able to transition from the military onto the civilian street. Don't be scared of you being the ex-military person, but don't define, yeah, don't define as that all the time. I think, it, I think that gets a bit old. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know me, I hate, I hate victims of any sort. One of the key things I think you have to remember when leaving the army, the ADF, is that hope is not a strategy. Yeah, hope is never a strategy. So just thinking you're going to get a job. I, I read some stuff on LinkedIn yesterday. There was, a, um, there was some Ironside recruiting thing where a whole heap of people had gone to and they were all giving each other slaps on the back and saying how great it was going to be and you're perfect for this job and any, any employer would be a fool for not taking you and blah, blah, blah. The problem is you got no fucking qualifications. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, I get it. But, you know, you've got a lot of skill. Yeah. There's a lot of skill there and, and employ it's, not, it's not the employer's fault that you don't have the qualifications. That's solely on the person in the ADF. 100%. If you've done, as we know guys who've done 30 years and have not done any schooling in that time and now they're looking for jobs doing menial tasks, right? And that's a tough. That's that's tough for me to hear. That yeah. 
but yeah, hope is not a strategy. And I wonder, and I don't want to get into the politics of it too much because there's companies out there who make money out of helping people to transition out of defense. They actually make money out of that. So I'm wondering how much help they're actually giving. But anyway, it's another story. Um, and they, they, they put them on glide paths and courses and the like, which I think is great. That's a, that's a great thing. And there's With You, With Me, who, who does that. I'm always skeptical of all those things because in my mind, if you've joined the Defence Force, well, when you the day you join, you should be thinking about how am I going to upskill myself for the day I leave? And that, that shouldn't be the intervention of a, a non-for-profit or profit company three months before you leave defence to try and upskill you. Mm. Um, that is using hope as a strategy. I mean, I'm just calling it for what it is. Yeah, look, here's an interesting one for you. So, you know, we talk about transition, right? And we talk about transition being... Um, that decision that you have made to leave the military, okay? But I'll, I'll put it in a, a, a another context, right? And this happens, right? Anyone in the military would know this, okay? And if you're not, um, you're about to find out. And what that is, is when you become redundant. Now, in the civilian world, redundancy means that, you know, you'll get severance pay, you'll get... Um, you know, maybe a bonus or, you know, you'll get a financial reward at the end of it, right? Military, you don't really get that, okay? But what happens is it's done in a way that the decision is yours. And what I mean by that is you get your final pack letter that turns around and says, look, you're in band C, which means you're the lowest band within your rank structure. Uh, you have no career. They don't say you don't have a career, but that's what it means, okay? So let's be honest about that. So what happens is that emotional baggage that has just been put on that individual, okay, now they start to think about transition. The problem with this is that you are now being forced, hmm. okay? It's not your decision. You are being forced. So your, your thought patterns become irregular, your decision cycle becomes irregular, uh, and you're probably not making the best decisions for you to, to effectively tra um, uh, transition. So my advice to you is before that occurs, and as Bram just said, 100%, is plan to exit at some point. Whether you do or not uh, is irrelevant, but at that point that you do transition, make it your decision, not someone else's. Yeah, so do you, do you think that people, people should join the ADF? I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to say when you join the ADF, the day you get your enlistment papers is the day you should be thinking about getting out. Because most people just like, oh, this is going to be an awesome career. I can't wait to get in, in on it and see all these places and do all these things. And But realistically, two, two of us dudes just sitting here going, hey, think about the day you're going to leave. That's not even on the horizon for them. No, 100%. And that's because why? We've lived it. Okay, we've, been, we've gone through it, you know. But, I, you know, I could take it back to a time where we actually didn't even think we were going to live to be 30. But anyway, that's okay or... 40 years old, but that's okay. But if you've got the ability and the knowledge now to be able to affect that transition, I think you're a fool not to consider it. You set it up. Like any mission that you've ever done, right? You write the mission, you put it up, it gets approved. You may be ready to launch. You're on the bloody flight line, ready to hop in your chops and it gets binned. Well, so, so we could perhaps use SMEAC for use of a better term. Well, it's one that everyone understands in the military, right? All right, so let's 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 use that as a framework to help someone plan their way out the door. So situation 
in this instance is this is where we need these you know so situation <laughs> so, so situation is is the environment you're currently in and yeah. and your position within that within that environment so you know Jono I say Jono because I like Jono Jono is um, corporal in one area who's done six years service so he, he might write you know corp- he's a low performer isn't he Jono <laughs> sorry Jono um, okay so Jono is a, a new guy who's just rolled into the infantry battalion the situation is that you know he's loving life doing work but and he perhaps he's a single guy doesn't have a family at, you know as yet but he wants he, he, he will in the future and he'll he knows that he wants to do five to ten years on that journey and I mean that's some big parameters. I mean I'm giving him a big parameter there of time, but I'm just saying to Jono, plan your exit. That exit might kick in at five years, or it might kick in at ten years. But that's the situation. Would you add more to that situation? Oh, look, and I, well, no. So then his mission, you know, you know, I mean, who, what, when, where, why. So Jono is to. Um, set himself up for success in order to set himself up for success to leave the military between five and ten years in order to ensure that he has a smooth transition outside of the ADF and into a meaningful career. Fucking said twice, nailed it. <laughs> right. So, so there's there's the mission. Um, execution general outline. You know this will be a three phase operation with a prelim phase. Uh, the prelim phase. Prelim phase is getting all your ducks in a line. So it's no, no, no. We talked about this. Damn what, it. What was yours? Um, well, the the prelim, <laughs> the pre the prelim phase is you're in your you're in your career, dude. Oh, yeah. No, we did talk about that. Yeah. You're in your you're in your career. Be bloody good at what you do now. You know that's right. Yeah, no, and I mean, did. there's yeah, so many right. there's so many people who are looking for the next thing. They're not actually worried about just. Just be the best at what it is that you're doing right now. Be good at that. Um, and then the other things will, I mean, courses come along. If you're really good in a platoon, your platoon commander sees that and you get an advantage. If you're the hardest worker in any room, there will be more civilian qualifications coming to you by virtue of RPL in time. Right, and I think that's that's the point that I'll draw out is the RPL side of things. So. It's you know it it worked very well for me. I mean, but I was I was one of those guys when I was in that you know every course I did I had a look at what the vocational education and training equivalency was. I made sure that I submitted the paperwork to get that if there was units that you needed to do uh, to attain that qualification. You know whether it's leadership and management, whether it's um, instructional techniques, you know uh, vocational education and training those type of things, I always made sure that those were done while I was serving. So that's part of your prelim as well. And no one did that for you? No one did that for me, no. Right, so the, the penny sort of drops for me a little bit there in that because, because you were proactive on your own to, to chase those things up, again, it's that non-victim you know, mentality. And so you're chasing those things up rather than everything defence does is for you. And then you get out, and then you get out, and then you, you're chewing on lemons because there's no one doing anything for you. Now it's on you, mm. and you didn't do anything when it was when you had the opportunity to do it yeah. back then. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's the thing. So if I hear we, one more well, we person, do, we we do the old the so what, and that is a so what. Mm. You know, every course that you do in the military, and you do some bloody high speed courses. At the end of that, you should be going so what? What does that mean? 
you know, whether it's an adventure training course, maybe a high access course, you oh, do just, roping and rappelling, these type of things. So, so what? what? Just sub one and two for corporal and sergeant. Yeah. Uh, Leadership. Have I heard rightly that the army's moved away from RTO status? Yes, they have. So defence has an RTO status. Army doesn't have an RTO status anymore. Does that so mean? I the, think Navy and Air Force still do, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Does that mean the courses are no longer? RPO, you can no longer RPO for like cert for and leadership and all that sort right. of stuff. Right, so not through the army you can't, righto, but what you can do is you can take your um, course reports that you have with all your uh, units of competency on them, okay, and you can put them through a civilian agency. And there's a number of civilian agencies out there that can do it and that can help you through that process. Uh, one off the top of my uh, head is uh, the College of Law, Education and Training. They're quite good. They understand uh, military personnel needs and also the transition that they need. Seriously, dude, if you keep banging on this table, it's oh, going to give me a headache. Is that going to work? No, not work. So, you know, things like... <laughs> so things like... So so what I'm saying is the options are out there for you to be able to up heal. Yeah. Okay, but Army isn't going to do it for you anymore, right? Eh? Or do, and Defence probably won't do it for you either, but it is there and you need to be aware of it because that's something that you actually have control of. Yeah. And then, you know, where I think... Companies like Ironside Recruiting come in is if you've set yourself up for success and you've gone and and you've gone and upskilled while you're still in defence, then then you go to those network meetings. You know they can put you in touch with employers of choice who are looking and who understand the benefit of having ADF personnel. That's where that and that company is 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 a good company. I quite like them. Yeah, hundred percent. We're still in the prelim phase, so you can see it's yeah. quite exhaustive to a certain extent. Yeah, and the way that I used the way I used to uh, the way I used to do mission planning, the very very first thing I would do is walk up to a whiteboard and go right time now line future. Yep. Break that up into bite sized chunks, you know, and perhaps in this instance it's six month chunks. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah. Over a five-year period, and then I would work out, you know, the, the phases against those, those timeline chunks and where they fit. I just quite like saying the word chunk, actually. <laughs> chunk, 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 chunk. Um, and then... Well, there's no reason why you can't do multiple courses of action either. Right. Okay, so within your SMEAC, you can come up with multiple courses of action. Oh, this is way outside SMEAC realm now, isn't no, it? No, but, but, but you can actually go, you know, through your execution phase. When you mm. talk about your timeline, you know, you can say, right, in the execution phase of SMEAC, I'm going to plan out to six months. In the execution phase of SMEAC, I'm going to plan out to three years. Right. So on and so on. So your, your prelim phases, be as good at your job as you can possibly be and understand your the first phase of the three-phase operation is going to come in. Understand your value. Understand your individual value of what you have on the current job you're doing. I think we've got a podcast coming up about value. <laughs> um, okay, so phase one. Hmm. <laughs> this can be edited out here, but not there. 
So what is phase one? Phase one? I'll tell you what phase one is. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Let's have a look at looking at the timeline, right? What do you want to achieve? So the biggest thing that you need to identify is what you want to do, right? So you've got to understand what the end state is before you can go through your phase. What? So already know a job that you're going to get out to? 100%. Oh, man. So that's like knowing the enemy. Could be. So you're doing... Okay. So so basically you need to define what that job... What is? What do you want to do? What do you want to do when you transition out? Or... Well, that's... I mean, that's a good or, point because then you can then you can be more specific about the sort of training that you're doing while still in defence. 100%. Or if you don't know what that is, have a look at what you're doing within defence yeah. and then go, well, what does that give me? I mean, I, I did an um, international relations degree majoring in societies and peace studies while a commando combat officer didn't necessarily translate to any job unless I go and do a master's and so on and so forth. But it did give me, it, it did give me a license to play. A, um, a foot in the door. Yep. Um, it, it's a license to play because some companies will only take you if you have that degree. Mm. And a degree in most cases is just a, uh, it's just evidence of the ability to study actually. Yep. And I mean, we went over your your qualifications and like there's so many bloody cert fours and diplomas and grad certs and stuff like that, that they all go together and they actually end up meeting the requirements of a teaching degree or probably a master's in teaching. And then you've got all the paddy stuff on top of that. Yeah. Now, those things are interesting because there are other sorts of extra vocational training that can equate to a job post-defense, right? 100%. And it's a completely different realm, right? Unless you're in a dive team or anything like that back in uh, back in the military, you know, you know, maybe that's a smooth transition for you. Yeah, I suppose when looking at it that way, you don't have to box yourself into what you're currently doing now, but what you want to do in the future and then uh, and then plan to that. So when we go back to the phasing, you know, as like it is for any target, if we're going to do, you know, a three-phased operation, phase one is the move to the target, phase two, action on the target, phase three, withdrawal, right? Mm-hmm. So plan it that way. Okay, that's what you're looking at for a transition. Okay, so phase one is moving to transition. Okay. Okay, phase two is transition. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Right. I didn't see it before, but it's become become very clear to me now. You know, and phase three is actually being out there and doing what you actually want to do. Okay, all right, you've explained that better this time. (laughs) So, So prelim phase is being bloody good at your job right now. 100%. And giving 100% to your platoon and getting the most out of your career as you can. Phase one is moving to transition. Now, that may be a two or three year period. Maybe you, do, maybe, maybe you do a graduate certificate in management to show that you can study because you haven't done year 12, let's say. Maybe, maybe you do a, um, your IDC, your Instructor Development Course for PADI. Yeah, okay. Or maybe you just become the best rock climber in the world because you have a dream of starting your own business and taking people rock climbing. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, like doesn't but, matter. But dream big. But it's a... <laughs> porn star? No. 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 Okay, not a porn star. Wine tester? Prelim, done. Phase one, transition two, which is your courses or your... Um, basically, you're setting yourself up so you're upskilled. Don't don't use hope as a strategy. No. 
Don't get out the door and then whinge to everyone. Don't get out the door and then be upset that you have no skills if you haven't put any of the effort in. I did my, I did my degree in Afghanistan while running a platoon. So, or, so I don't see it as an excuse if you're, you're in the army. Or you're not being recognized for those skill sets where you think you should be. So this is where the maturity side things come comes into it. Okay. So you can be the most qualified guy in the world, uh, or girl, guy or girl, um, in the world and no one accepts your qualifications. The other thing is that you can be overqualified, you know? Uh, how you're overqualified for something I still am yet to work out. Oh, no, I've, I've worked that out when I applied for Garda World to run <laughs> to run the embassy um, security detail. I, I was way too qualified for those Muppets. Yeah, look... I, I, you can be too qualified, I, I think but you don't know it. No, I think it's, um, uh, it's not... Um, it's not an arrogance. It's a it's a professional threat, yeah. you know, to everyone else that that you are going against or or you are moving into. You know, um, that's a whole another oh, topic another as well. Podcast. You know? Hey, so so just to go back one step on the prelim, no, no, not on the prelim because the prelim's just phase you being one, awesome. Yeah. On phase one, the movement to transition. You know, I just mentioned graduate certificate in in management before, and and I think that. Um, you know, universities like University of New England, they allow people who don't have year 12 to do an online course mm-hmm. that is four modules, four component parts of, of, a, of a degree. And, and a, um, like an MBA, for instance, I think is 144 credit points. Well, this gives you, let's say, 36. So it allows you to do six component... Maths was not my strong point, mate. <laughs> It allows you to do 36 of that 144 credit points, right? And if you can show during that grad cert management, and you got to, and you got to pay for that, but guess what? Hex mm. kicks in over a certain amount. Yeah, and again, that's a, that's an investment in your future. But if you can show during the grad cert management that you've got what it takes, well, the next course you do after that grad cert management is just a roll on through the MBA. And if you get out as a corporal with an MBA. You're walking into jobs. 100%. I don't ben, care what anyone says. You're, you're, going to, you're going to... If you've got a Victoria Cross... <laughs> no, and an MBA. So, so what we're saying is go and get a Victoria... No, I guess what I'm trying to say is you'll walk into Linfox, TNT, you know, places like yeah. that. You'll walk in at the, at the ground yeah. management level with an MBA, but, but once you show those skills that you have from being a corporal in defense anywhere i'm not talking about infantry anywhere those skills that you get as a corporal i mean i've seen it. i've been in charge of corporals i know what they can do yeah. you know i've been a i've been a corporal i know what they can do but you need to have the license to play and, yeah, and, and what i what i want to see people doing is not using these these companies to help them at the end i want them to to start upskilling the day they get in the goddamn adf does right. that make sense no it does 100 percent. because 100 percent. i'm going to stop saying 100 percent well Knock it down about 99, 95. I'm gonna, I'm, what I'm going to do but is anyway, I'm going to go through, I'm going to get all your 100%, so I'm going to make a I'll, rap song with Britney Spears singing in the background, and you're going 100%, 100%, 100%. <laughs> I remember, I remember oh, when, I trans, when I was transitioning out, so I'd never ever been to an employment agency or anything like that, right? Mm. And I, I actually went to one, and the reason why I went to one is I, wanna actually, I wanted to see what they, they did. What mm. could they mm. do for me? Could they get a job? And mm. I remember walking in, um, talking to one of the people in the in the um, in the employment agency, and I said, "Look, I want to know what you people do." You know, I'm Captain Reece Stewart, no, OAM. I just said, "Look, the patron, and, and the patron saint no, of non-idiocy." The, the reply was, "We get people jobs." Oh, 
And I went, okay, I need a job. Let's do this. So we went through this thing and what and it was quite a funny conversation because we went down through, okay, what's your name, what have you been doing, all this type of stuff, what's your financial background and all this kind of stuff. The end state for that was, which was about 30 minutes later, was I couldn't get a job because I was already I was financial stable enough to look after myself hmm. and the services weren't there for people like me because I could actually go out and get my own job. Hmm. <laughs> So I've never understood what employment agencies Did you are. send them an invoice for your time? <laughs> <laughs> Should have sent them an invoice, you know. So, but anyway, going back to our point of the transition and, and, um, and phase one, what I would also say, there's so many other things that in the military that you can do and look at and you don't have to be discharging. So one is the transition, ser- um, transition seminar. Seminars, that's it. That's the word I was looking for. So the transition seminars, anyone can attend those. At any any time. At any time. Hmm. You don't actually have to be discharging to go to a transition seminar. I actually think it would probably be a good idea to do a transition seminar as part of your, you know, start of your year um, training, like mandatory training. Yeah. For the simple reason, and, you know, (laughs) I never went to a transition seminar, but... um, they outline a whole bunch of stuff that is available to you in the education realm, um, that, that, you know, the job seek type things and all mm. that type of stuff, but they also go through all your benefits. So what does that mean? That means that you are ahead of your ball game. You know um, where you're going to be at financially, okay, uh, educationally, all those type of things prior to you transitioning out into your new job. Righto, and that, and those things change uh, every couple of years, I think. You know, so the things, the transition seminars, I would advise within phase one is you go and see one. So, and I think that, um, and I, I don't know this for sure, but I think with you, with me, are involved in the transition seminars now, and they offer courses and the like. Again, I haven't, I haven't gone and actually seen what yeah. they do, or I know they, I know some of them cost money, some of them don't, but again. For me, hope isn't a strategy. Start planning well in advance of that. Yeah. Okay, so that's the transition, phase one transition. Yeah. So phase two then is the transition. Yeah, the, the transition. Right. So what are we talking about there, right? So you're now leaving uh, a job where you've had three squares a day. <laughs> you know, if you don't get paid, it's okay. You're still going to have a roof over your head. Maybe you're married. You live in a married quarter with your family. You've got subsidized rent, okay? Um, now you're transitioning away from that. Now you're paying full rent. Um, so yeah. that, you know, whatever it is, a couple of hundred dollars is now 650 to 680 mm. a week, mm. you know. So these are some of the things within phase two. Or actually, you could probably think about it in phase one as well, is your financial liability once you leave defence because that's something that people don't actually take into consideration. I, I wonder if, if the ADF should have a thing where at, at Kapuka, ADF, the Army, at Kapuka, you know, you're given an extra bank account where they will allot money for you for when you leave. Yeah, it's funny you can. Yeah, it's funny that because I'm pretty sure. Remember being a recruit instructor many years ago, and one of the things that we tried to do for recruits was exactly that. Mm. And the reason why that was because you're dealing with generally it's you know 17, 18 year old kids who still live with mum mm. and dad, and you know are now on their own. Mm. You know, so. 
that part of it was quite important for mm. those new raw recruits coming through to mm. set up a bank account to make sure they had savings plans and all this type of stuff, right? Yeah. Transitioning into phase two is you're leaving, you're out, okay? You, you've you've done all your due diligence. And by then, one. and by then, the the upskilling should be either complete or maybe you're yeah. going in, maybe you're going in to do a, a year's full time study to finish your degree or to, to start an apprenticeship or or to do a, a, yeah. a fitness course or a business course or something yeah. like that. But you know you know what you're doing. Right. So what we're talking about there is it's that timeline, right? So it's that timeline of knowing, okay, on this day, this is when I transition from defence. And what, what am I, what, or where am I going when I transition? Am I going into study? Am I going into that new job? Am I going to have a rest for six months? prior mm. to getting that dream job that I've always wanted. Try and slow your mind down. Yeah, try and slow your mind. Yeah, good luck with that. But anyway, doing those things, so it comes back to that timeline on your phasing. Okay? There, there was nowhere, there was no university that um, I could offer video of my draw sequence and, and, and get a civilian qualification or my changeover drills or my IAs and stoppages. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say to people is, you're doing a job now, your prelim phase is be bloody good at the job you're doing now, enjoy it, enjoy the travel, enjoy the people you meet, enjoy the training, enjoy the structure, but the stuff that you're doing now doesn't necessarily equal a future. No, 100%. And so so supplement that from day one, week one of, of not being in your initial employment training. Start looking at that first phase of transition into the future and, and just sign up for that course, something that, something that is going to give you something rather than hope as a strategy. Yeah, and look, and I think the um, current defence force, the lifestyle and all that type of stuff, uh, and I have no statistics on this whatsoever, but I think the 20-year career... Um, 80% of statistics are made up on the spot, mate. Right. So, including that one. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, a 20-year career within defence these days is quite, it's rare. It's unusual. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so because, let's be honest about it, you know, you join the Defence Force, you can pretty much achieve anything you want to do in defence. Um, in a decade. Yeah, in a decade, you know, in 10 years. And, and actually, that's probably a really good timeline. Tell you the truth, ten year timeline. If you were going to look at it at the phase, oh, if you've so, joined it, if you've joined at seventeen to twenty five, a, a ten year stint, will you can you will have a master's degree. Well, <laughs> if how good would that be? Right. So look, actually, that, there's there's a prime example there. You know, if we had left ten years in our career, you know, we joined at seventeen, we were twenty seven years old. I could have gone to uni for four years. Twenty seven. Yeah. You know, you've lived a life, you're about to start a new one. That's right. Yeah, boom. Phase two. Phase two. Phase three. Phase three. Yeah, phase three is continuation of that new path. Recovering from ADF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's the Do continuation. Yoga. Right, so this is where uh, a little bit of, um, is it, no, it's not apprehension now. It's we've now transitioned out of defence and we're in that job. Mm. And what we've found, okay, is the job that we're doing it doesn't change. Mm. You know, defence is you don't know what you're doing from one day to the next. Mm. But now I'm in this job, and let's say it's a nine-to-five job, and the routine is exactly that. It so is routine. the structure you had before, which was life structure, has been replaced with work structure, which is benign and generally 
Well, in in a lot of cases, not all jobs are like that, but in, uh, yeah. But what happens, especially you know, defence personnel, is this is where they get into that that hole, you know, of doubt. If yeah, you know, I suppose it's doubt to a certain extent, right? So we start questioning. Oh, is this my dream job? You know, so you're in your dream job. Now you're working out that it's actually not your dream job. So what do you reckon we're going to do? What did I hear the other day? The grass is greener wherever you water it the most. <laughs> so if you're in defence and you want to stay there, that's the other thing. People don't tell people, stay stay there. Yeah. Go and look for something else inside defence because your dream job may just be still inside the realms of the ADF. Yeah. Maybe it isn't army. There was a reason that it attracted you in the first place, but maybe that attraction was somewhere else. You know, I've got a mate who wanted to go to SF and, and, and fell short a couple of times and ended up going to the Air Force, you know, and he's doing a bloody good job of it. Yeah. You know, and, it suit, and it suits his, it suits him, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, right? So phase three is that. You're in that job. You're, 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 it's becoming mundane. Maybe it's not what you thought it to be. Why? Because you haven't experienced it before. You're now experiencing it through your life now. So there's no reason why that transition that we talked about can't continue again. Yeah. Right, I'm now in this job. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. It's a continuous transition, and we're using SMAC to work through our transition in yeah. our new job. Mm. Admin log. Make sure it's wide tight. Water, rations. Dress, yeah. equipment, weapons, ammunition, and rations. Um, I mean, you know, seek out the courses, go to careers days. Yeah. Go to um, those transition seminars. Let's not even worry about Commander C because that's bullshit. <laughs> I've got a signaler for that. <laughs> Work that shit out. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess... Well, let, let's, let's not rush over that one. Let's talk about communication. All right. We've got to communicate these things, you know? So what about, you know, in writing your SMEAC and you, you're at your, your comms part of it, so the communication side of things. Mm. So where I would look at that side of things is the correspondence and the oh, reaching out. Okay, to yes. I've sent 200 resumes and can't get a job. Go. Yeah, because you sent the same you sent the same resume to 200 people. You yeah. need to tailor a resume, a CV. You need to tailor that specifically to the employer. And the job. Specifically for that job. 100%. And, and the verbiage... The lexicon, the the English language in the CV needs to correspond with the job advert, you know. And platoon commanders, bloody, if you've got people who've given you five years' service and they're on the way out the door, bloody, help them write that. Why hasn't, well, okay. Why are they not why, doing why that? Why haven't defence people got a CV? I don't know. It's a good question. Why, why haven't they got one? When you're in the service... And you're a young private Because there's soldier. no leadership in defence. Why, why aren't we writing CVs? Why yeah. aren't we saying what our position is, what uh, our skills are in that position? Americans, are, Americans do it now. You know? Americans maybe, do it Maybe now. that's one thing we could look at. Yeah, you I mean... Know? Do it. Write, yeah. write your own CV right now. If you're a platoon commander listening to this, these two hashed up old special forces officers, get your people to write, write a CV. a CV. Do it. Even if they're going to stay in forever, just get them to write a CV. Like, these people are working for you. Show some leadership and give them a hand. 100%. That's an, that's an order. <laughs> yes, DSM, bitches. Okay. Look, I've spoken to many that war doesn't, officers. That I've doesn't spoken. get me a job either. 
no medals will no medals will get you a job, mate. Oh, maybe one. But um, look, it's yeah, it's one of those things where I've spoken to warrant officers and senior senior enlisted personnel and um, and officers as well. You know, junior rank general. Well, actually, no red tabbers as well um, that haven't you know haven't got a CV. You know, I was speaking to a way one last week. You know, have you got a CV? And oh no, I'll have to get onto that. Oh, Whoa, one. You, you've done a, a life know, in the service, and you don't have a CV yet. So, good point. Write a CV. Doesn't matter what rank you are, based uh, on the position you're in now and the position you want later. Yeah, and and yeah. So you know, two hundred CVs to two hundred different employers um, does not does not make you a veteran or a um, or a soldier, whoever that is uh, frowned down on. It doesn't. It just means that you, that you're not the best person for that job because you haven't sat there and and shown that you want that job. Yeah. Um, now I bet there's some people out there who've written a shit tin of CVs specifically for jobs and didn't get the job. That's a different thing altogether. I mean, that could just be that you didn't look at it from perspective of um, you know phase one of getting yourself set up. Yep. Uh, upskilling while you're in defence, and now the jobs that you're going for are actually outside of your you know. Uh, ability yeah. or you don't have or the qualifications to yeah. do that yet and and it's getting harder and harder because things are becoming I mean even defense is becoming harder to get into without the right qualifications let alone things on the outside of defense mm-hmm. mm. yep communications CVs is one part yeah. of it what about social media do you reckon mm. social media is a way to communicate you know I mean I know defense is you got to be careful with social media. It's a it's a nuclear weapon. Um, I haven't gotten jobs because of my social media profile since leaving army, and I've gotten a lot of work through LinkedIn. Um, I think LinkedIn is definitely something. If you're in the ADF, LinkedIn is something to look at and monitor and understand, so you don't have um, you don't have any shock. Uh, oh, there you go. There's a new there's a new term, social media shock. When you get out of the ADF, you don't have social media shock, so that you're not—it's something you're not used to. So you need to understand the social media landscape, but you don't necessarily need to be an active player in it because there are other countries and agencies that look at that stuff. Mm. So you want to keep out of that realm a little bit. Um, but I was talking to—I was talking to Mark Donaldson last year, uh, and I'm, I'm, this is a true story. We were at a function together, and I was talking to him about the books that I'd written and how I, and and how I wondered how they were perceived. And Mark turns to me and he goes, "Who cares?" He goes, "Those guys don't have to fight for money, mate. The ADF is paying them. Like you're on the outside and you've got mouths to feed. Do what you need to do." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah." And 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 so I think that that. Uh, the social media aspect to it needs to be harnessed. Mm. You need to understand LinkedIn. You need to make sure you get really good profiles. Vanessa Machen actually does a really good yeah, job on LinkedIn. Really yeah. um, and there's people you can reach out to who can make a LinkedIn profile for you. Um, and then if you're running, if you've decided to run a small business, and I've got so many friends who've got their own small businesses, I know this for a fact. It's a couple of thousand dollars to to build a website. Now, if you're five, six years into your 10-year plan and you know when you get out you want to run a CrossFit gym or you want to run this or you want to run that or a gym's mowing, I don't give a shit what it is, invest the money now and build the website and start pushing traffic through that website without your name on it, whatever, because two or three years 
Because that shows a bank, for instance, when you go for a loan, oh, the business has been there for three years. It doesn't matter that you're in the ADF the whole time. No, you're 100% right. Um, there's so many things you can do while you're still in the ADF. Yeah, communication. Good. Yeah, communication is good. The other thing about social media that I will look at is um, how, how you as an individual perceive yourself on social media. So because I can tell you right now, especially in the corporate sector and all that type of stuff, and I would assume across all civilian jobs, everyone has a profile of, of sorts. Um, especially yeah. on social media and any job interview when I'm looking at hiring people or for specific jobs, I will do a, a social media search. Yeah. You know, and see what see what type of person they are. You know, because and the other thing with CVs is that a CV, anyone can write anything on a CV. Mm. You know, they really can. Be honest with it. If you're not qualified to do it, don't say you are. That's all there is to it. Right, eh? But... Yeah, just be aware of social med- your own social media profile, I suppose. Most things don't survive. Most missions, most orders don't survive the first contact with the enemy. Mm. And so it goes with this. You end up having a family. You haven't future-proofed that, that SMEAC. You probably need to have a family, right? Definitely. So you've got a family. <coughs> so let's say you've got a family. And then what happens now? Because mission. you haven't future-proofed it. Yeah, now, right. And now you're locked into the ADF forever. And we know friends who've done that and then everything changes towards the end of their career and now they've got nothing. 100%. Mm. You know? So, yeah, just... And I think it's a good good idea even if you're not... You know, if you don't get out of defence and I think it's one of those things that we always did and I don't know why we did it, we just seemed to do it, was we always thought about, okay, the next what if. That's the so what you know, so what if that this happens? And I, I remember, you know, when we were being deployed all the time, mm. you know, there was always that thing of make sure your admin squared away, make sure your family squared away because there's no certainty that you're uh-huh. going to come home. So, so if you're, if you're, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. So those deployments, you're setting yourself up with all your admin squared away because you might die. Mm. With the ADF, leaving the ADF, you're sorting all your admin, getting all your admin squared away because... Um, once you get out, you don't want to have to come back. 100%. Mm. 100%. 100%. I'm going to call this one the 100% 99%. podcast. The 100% podcast with Bram Connolly and Reece Dewar. All right, Reece Dewar, it's been a pleasure having the, Bram, um, patron, saint, good, the patron saint for Noddy DC. <laughs> um, all right, we'll edit this and we'll post it tonight. And then Thanks we'll do leadership much. tomorrow. Thanks out. And what do you say all, all the time? Come on. No, no, that's that's, that's knowledge. That's in the knowledge. That's in the knowledge bombs. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Should I say it on these ones as well? I reckon. Why not? Okay. Hey, everyone. That's uh, that's it from the Warrior You podcast. Remember, make your life a mission and train like a warrior. Out. Just when you thought you didn't need another jacket, along comes the Kill Capture Pathfinder jacket. I could bore you with all of the Spec Ops design features, but what you really want to know are the benefits of owning this piece of tough luxury. Well, you'll walk into any room and immediately dominate it. If you're wearing it for business casual, you'll close the deal. Wearing it to a sporting event, and your team's gonna win. It's light, so you can pack more things in your grab bag, and it's tougher than you are too, which let's face it, that's pretty cool, because not much else is. It comes in a military-grade Pelican case, and has a tracking beacon included because your nemesis is going to try and take it from you and you want to monitor that. It's a jacket of choice for Mad Dog Mattis, the actor Dan McPherson, Nick Warner, the former head of ASUS, and I've got one too.
go to the site www.killcapture.com and use the coupon code TEAM AUSTRALIA, all capitals. You'll love the after-sale service, the quality and the styling of this limited edition special operator jacket. I wear mine with jeans and a t-shirt for the weekend rides in my Norton Commando. Occasionally, with a dress shirt, pants, when I go to tequila bars. I'll be wearing it to this year's book launch too. Pick yourself one up today. That's www.killcapture.com. That's capture with a K. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.